0: welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is the show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, we get to talk about everything in between. Wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, you know what to do. Hit subscribe, hit like, five-star review, whatever the hell it is. We would appreciate anything from that. My incredible guest today, I have Nick McNutt. He is a professional skier. Nick, how are you doing today, buddy?
1: I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Fall's almost here. I'm seeing a lot of pumpkin spice shit on the news, on the TV. Yeah. I mean, this is, you're probably gearing up. This is like, what? Like, what, what, like, how excited are you to finally get back on the slope? I'm sure
1: there's slopes everywhere around the world you can go to, but,
0: you know, up in Canada, how excited are you?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, th- this time of year is always fun because it's kind of, you feel the cold coming and you feel the, the weather changing. Like every day it gets darker five minutes earlier or 10 minutes earlier, you can just tell it's about to happen. But, We're still we're kinda currently in like a bit of a summer pattern here right now, which is nice. Still getting out biking and climbing and stuff for the short term, but it's gonna change pretty quick. Staying
0: active. That's probably my second least favorite part about winter is the fact that it's gonna be dark at four thirty here in what, like a month and a half. And that just bums me out, man. I'm a sunlight kind of guy. And that's just I hate it. So at least you get some pieces. No, exactly. Let's get rid of this some daylight saving shit. I, I don't like it at all. But Nick, I always love to ask this question first, kind of third, fifth, whatever order we're doing it today. But why do you love sports so much?
1: That's a really good question. I think right? It it's a pretty good gives, one. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. It gives me, I don't know, something I can't really find anywhere else in my life, right? Like you can can get a sense of accomplishment in all kinds of other ways. But when you kind of pull through doing something sports related it's a little bit of like uh, a special feeling it's really hard to get elsewhere so it's a little bit addicting too and uh yeah I'm I'm pretty hooked on on more than one sport yeah I mean you're a
0: little more on the adrenaline side than I am I mean my adrenaline is if I win my five dollar bet right and yours is you know riding (laughs) down from the top of a mountain so it's a little different but I still think that there's something there and I think I'm kind of curious like in your line of work again you're a professional skier so let's just start. Let's, let's go all the way back to the beginning of time for Nick McNutt. How did you get into skiing? Is this your parents? Is this something you saw on TV? What, what made you, I guess, hop on and, and start, uh, start riding down mountains?
1: Yeah, it's uh, my parents. That was kind of like their, their passion. And that's how they met, too, was at a ski resort. And we've always lived at ski resorts or near one. Um, and that was kind of what we did as a family, you know, every weekend. And I grew up actually having access to, like, night skiing. So after school ski awesome. as well and i was in like a little race program when i was young and um spent some time snowboarding after i stopped racing at like 12 i snowboarded for a little while and then the skis got kind of better again and um yeah, I went back to skiing and that's just kind of been like a, a constant in my life
0: yeah man i mean it sounds if you're always
1: on the mountain
0: right you're bound to have that happen so i was actually supposed to go ski uh skiing or snowboarding whatever one time and I did not go something weird happened at work. So I needed to go to work or whatever. I don't remember something stupid, but the person that took my spot, ironically enough is now my sister-in-law, but she fell down, broke her arm. So like, I'm final destinationing in that, right? So that was supposed to be me. So now I know the first time that I go skiing or snowboarding, I'm breaking something. So I I'm sure you guys have a great time, but I do not want to break my arm anytime soon. So I hope you can at least understand where I'm coming from there.
1: Yeah, I get it. I think like the East Coast, too, it's kind of a special, uh, a special setup with conditions. You know, you're pretty typically riding a little firmer snow than we are out west. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit harder landings when you crash.
0: <laughs> yeah. So shout out to my sister-in-law. if She's listening. Um, I think yeah. she still has screws in her arms, to be totally honest with you. Oh, yeah. Um, so kind of curious, what does it mean to be professional in a sport like skiing? right? It's easy in baseball and football. We see those guys on TV. They're making the big bucks, yada, yada, yada. But what exactly yeah. is a professional skier, I guess? And where where's that line of delineation from amateur to professional?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of uh, similar, but in its own little world. Like, you know, you're not on primetime TV and you're not making the big bucks, as you say, like some, you know, ball and stick sports athletes are. But it's um, kind of that line would be basically if you're your source of income, your primary source of income is skiing. Um, So I I get by on just the money I make from skiing and from endorsements surrounding skiing. And so that, that kind of would categorize me as that. And there's a lot of people who are, you know, and I've been in in the past too, I've had a a summer job or whatever doing construction and stuff. And there's a lot of people who are kind of in that, that level, like I guess amateur, semi-pro, whatever you want to call it, but supplementing your, your ski income um, with like a real, Line of work, doing some laboring or whatever, some summer gig. Don't say um, real, man. What you do is yeah. real. Don't come on. What are you doing? What
0: you do is real. What
1: you use is the most real. Yeah, I guess real in a sense that it's like you got to punch the clock and yeah. I get, you, I get you. I get you. No, I on I, your I, back and stuff. Yeah. So I
0: guess, what is it What is it that you've done? What is it about you? I mean, how many kids grow up skiing, right? Like, I I mean, I remember in high school, how many kids that I was you know, friends with that would go up to Vermont every other weekend or whatever. Like, yeah. how is it? Is it a mindset? Is it something about you? Is it talent? Is, what is it that allowed you to become professional doing this activity that you love so much where I'm sure if we polled every skier out there, everyone would say, yeah, I'd love to get paid for skiing it's got to be pretty damn cool right
1: yeah i mean i feel super lucky to be in the position i'm at and uh you know i wouldn't say it was easy getting to where i am but it did kind of happen fairly organically i didn't you know go the route of trying to send tons of emails to brands constantly and trying to figure out like it just sort of happened by meeting the right people and being in the right places and and so for that reason i feel super lucky to be where i am um and there's a lot of different paths people take to becoming a professional skier and one of the main ones people do is like through competition. So they'll, they go on what's called like the free ride world tour is kind of the highest level of uh free ride competition. And it's pretty cutthroat. And it's also uh, you know, the dates are set way in advance. So you show up and you get what you get as far as conditions, it might not be the best for skiing hard, you know, it might be like flat light and icy or whatever. Um, but there's a lot of people who have made it that way and it's not an easy path. Um, and then there's also like kind of the freestyle, aspect of it too which a lot of people like what you might see on tv if you tune into you know the olympic skiing and stuff it's like slope style and half pipe like big air that kind of stuff um a lot of people kind of do that and then progress into like a soft retirement from from doing that like kind of you know younger version of of a pro skier and move on to like a backcountry kind of mentality and and being in the, the bigger mountains rather than a terrain park um and i got super fortunate just uh, filming with my friends, going out um, into the backcountry, and uh, I had one dedicated friend who was a cinematographer, and he wanted to make a career doing that as well. Uh, and our video ended up in the hands of the guys at TGR, Teton Gravity. They um, they had this contest that was kind of like a winner take all, submit your best edit, and they were basically it was a talent scouting kind of a contest. Um, and they liked what they saw. I didn't end up winning the contest. It was kind of like a pure voted system, but they, they liked what they saw and they ended up hiring him as a cinematographer and they brought me on as a skier and they helped align the with, uh, some of the brands I'm with today. That is awesome, man. Like I, oh. uh,
0: So you said you're very lucky. I personally don't believe in luck. I think you've done a lot of hard work and you you were in the right place at the right time. As you said, yeah. I believe that's not luck. I think a lot of people could have sat on their couch. Instead, you were where you needed to be. So that's just like yeah. a personal philosophy of mine. But I think it's just awesome that you can even do that with one of your friends, right? Like, how cool is that? He His dream is to shoot video for a living. It's got to be a freaking... I can't do that. I wish I could. I have friends that do that, and I love everything they do. I'm super not jealous, very envious of their skill set. They obviously work very hard at that as well. Shout out my buddy Jim. But that's got to be so cool that you get to do something like that with a friend of yours. I mean, do you guys just kind of like call each other up, text each other every once in a while, like shake each other? Like, dude, we're literally doing what we wanted to do
1: (laughs) for our living. This is a cool thing. He's still doing it. And um, he's still still doing it, but it's like a very niche form of of being a cinematographer you know you're not in a studio like you're you have to be really good at traveling in the backcountry we use snowmobiles a lot of the time and we go ski touring a lot of times you have to be quite fit you have to be quite talented in the backcountry and being a good skier really helps because you have to be understanding what's about to happen and there's a there's a big barrier to entry Um, and it's not something you're going to get rich doing either so there's a pretty small amount of people actually doing it um, at the level that that's needed to capture you know some of these shots and um they're very sought after like people who have talent in that field definitely get kind of plucked so he's actually he's working uh, with some other people these days he's kind of been you know a few years in a row working with another uh ski film company but there's kind of always work popping up and these guys are like in kind of high demand during that little window in the winter and then um yeah they do whatever else in the summer some of them shoot wedding stuff or, you know, there's lots of other cinematography Mm -hmm. work. that's a little bit more pedestrian, I guess, but it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a niche thing. So when people get known in that space, they're definitely sought after.
0: Still super, super cool, man. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I guess from your perspective, right? Like it must've been so awesome to have this company like Teton come up to you and say, Hey, we want to pay you money to ride for us. So I guess I'm kind of curious, like, especially those first few deals, you even have a deal with North face right now. Obviously everybody, and their girlfriend wears a North face, right? I guess like where, how do you you look at these deals? How do you know if something is authentic to you? How do you know if this is the right opportunity? Is it, especially in the beginning to now, I'm sure you've matured and and grown in that space, but let's start at the beginning of that that business side of it. Was it just, you're willing to give me money? I'll literally do anything you want. Like, how did you start to have those negotiations (laughs) and conversations just with yourself about some of these brands that were asking these questions?
1: Yeah, well, to clear it up at the at the start, you said that um, like Teton Gravity Research, they're they're a film production company, and so they're not actually paying people who that are in their films. Essentially, mm-hmm. they're they're sort of like the the distributor, like the production company, and so what happens okay. is like the brands that um, the skiers in the film are affiliated with end up sponsoring the film and paying for the production costs and stuff. So they're they're sort of like a middle. Uh, between like us and the brand they, they are the people who showcase us for the brand and so um, you know it's cool. it's like a little bit of a weird situation but yeah you would think that it's like being in a Hollywood film where like an actor would get paid but it's not mm. quite set up that way it's a little bit different um, but yeah it started with just like really being kind of like a ski bum I guess um, doing, doing that stuff when I was young and just trying to scrape by and and you know I was pretty hard on my equipment and so like anyone willing to give me free ski equipment at the beginning that was kind of like a no-brainer to you know you don't say no to free skis for at that time too it was not really like this social media kind of stuff wasn't really like as big of a an influence for the the contracts and things but it was sort of a snowball effect like just meeting the right people and um yeah eventually getting kind of paid to do it rather than just getting like free equipment or whatever um came through exposure that i had with tgr like with those guys that first season that they um, had that contest and they wanted to bring me on. They wanted to align me with a, a brand, at least that they, they work with. So, so they, they essentially could, you know, get the money that they needed to be able to shoot me, to be able to feature, cause it's, it's expensive shooting these ski films, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, you're paying cinematographers and you're traveling and everything. So, um, yeah, so I ended up uh, getting aligned with atomic skis uh, and I'm still with them today. And it was a no brainer from the get go because it's a company that I've always admired and always thought that they were, you know, they make, the best equipment in my opinion and so i'm thrilled to be there still um and yeah i mean these other brands i've worked with the north face and there's a handful of them and some have come and gone over the years but it's always been companies that i really believe in like i don't i don't um try to promote anything that i'm not actually happy to stand behind you know and mm-hmm. uh, because it's it'd be an awkward place to be in right if if you're promoting a crappy product that you don't actually use ever or you don't believe in. Right. And, and having like an intimate knowledge of the product and being able to answer questions from people when they ask or, um, people just seeing you in public with that stuff and you're happy to be using it all the time. Like that, that kind of stuff just makes sense to me. And so that's kind of first and foremost before any kind of dollar amount negotiation type of stuff happens. But a lot of these relationships get built up slowly over the years. And as you become more recognized and more affiliated with that brand, just by your name, you know, like People, people know that I ski on atomic skis and that's that way because I've been skiing with them for so long. Um, if I were to change brands, that would be a pretty big, a lot of people would see my name and think that I still ski on atomic skis. Mm-hmm. So the dollar amounts there and stuff would be different depending on you know longevity yeah. of some of these relationships and everything. And it's, it's, it's a pretty complicated landscape, but at the end of the day, it's products that I believe in and stuff that I want to stand behind. And, and that's kind of like the priority.
0: Shout out for you having morals, man. That's yeah, that's really awesome. Happy to hear it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, in all sincerity, though, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting landscape. I actually worked with some skiers and some snowboarders back in the day, a lot of Olympic athletes to help them with these types of things on the sponsorship and the endorsement side. And it's one of those things where, I mean, like, there are so many athletes like yourself that, you know, they, they haven't hit it big yet, right? They don't have the however many thousands of followers you do on Instagram. Make sure to follow Nick on instagram we'll get that a little later in the show don't worry but it's uh it's one of those things where it's 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 kind of difficult right have you ever been especially in the beginning right as you said just kind of bumming around just kind of scraping by were there ever there you know we don't have to sh- name the brands um but were there ever any out, like conversations that you had just like dude i do not like your product like i appreciate you guys liking me but this is just not something
1: that i'm comfortable with yeah yeah it's happened and and there's like all kinds of different levels of what you would call sponsorship, right? Like there's your 15 year old teenage kid who's got his first free pair of skis and he considers himself a pro skier and he's sponsored and whatever. And that's great, but it's, it's, um, not until you start actually getting paid enough that you, you realize this is going to be like your livelihood and your, you know, your career path rather than just sort of like getting free equipment to do a pastime. That's when you really start to, to figure out like what's important. And yeah, I think, having a good product is like because for me like to ski at the level that I want to I don't want to be on equipment that I know is second tier I don't want to be you know sort of hindering myself mm-hmm. in the backcountry by by using stuff that I don't think is the best and so it's really easy for me to to be proud of who I'm I'm riding for
0: and you brought up the social media aspect of it, right? You you started skiing before a lot of this really started to blow yeah. up Instagram. I think I remember I started an Instagram account in like 2013 ish. And I think I was kind of like a little later to the game. Right. And, you know, uh-huh. you, you again have a huge following on Instagram, but like, I guess, how do you make sure that these types of things align with not just you, but you, the community that you've built, right. You know, you have over 50,000 people that follow you and, and like you and appreciate you for you. How do you, Cultivate that community because I think that's the hardest part, right? Everyone can take really cool pictures on a mountain. Maybe not to the uh quite the effect that you guys get. Again, we'll get Nick's Instagram later. I need to tease somewhere in there, right? I got to keep people hanging around. (laughs) But what um like how how are you able to create this community and keep them as engaged as they are to then allow you and allow the North Face to say, not only do we appreciate you loving our products, dude, we love your social media too. And we want to make sure that those people can see how much you love our products.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Instagram was funny. I, I kind of, same as you, I started around maybe, maybe a little bit earlier than that, but I can't even remember. I ended up getting the app as like a photo editing. Nice. Like That's an app awesome. Or something. Like, and I didn't really realize that there was like a social, like, Yeah, this was all like the filters. Remember
0: all the filters people something. used to use? Don't even use them. Yeah.
1: So I, I had the username and I had signed up and then I, I hadn't posted, I think. And, and then I, at some point it was like, check back in and went to go make an account. It was like, oh, your email already has an, whatever. I had already had an account for maybe a year or two years or something. And I had, you know, a few hundred followers or something, which was nothing but like early in those days, like it, it was quite easy to build a following. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's gotten a little bit harder now with just the amount of options, the, the amount of places your eyes can go on that app. Um, but early in the, in the game, I guess I, I kind of did, take advantage of it. And maybe it wasn't like totally on purpose, but, um, having a fair bit of success, I guess in like 2013, 2014, like as Instagram was really ramping up, I kind of had like my most successful kind of snowball career building seasons. Um, yeah, I see what you did there. So, Very nice. Yeah, Very nice. Yeah, yeah. I guess snowball. Um, and so I guess it just like coincided with that time and in Instagram. Right. And, and so I ended up, I guess, taking advantage of it by default in some way. And it was, uh, and now, you yeah, know, now the community I have on there, I think the people that follow me generally are all, you know, enthusiasts of some kind, whether they're big skiers or sometimes snowboarders or maybe rock climbers and mountain bikers or whatever, or just like photos of mountain landscapes or whatever it is. Um, and so I feel like it is an authentic following and it's, it's, there is value there, right? Like brands are seeing that there is value to having like an authentic audience and, and having like a, place that you can tap into that's that's a real you know what you're getting like mostly people that are like mostly you know born between like 1985 and 2005 or something like you're kind of that mm-hmm. demographic I can really pinpoint what what it is that I have and it's there is some value there so I think it's it's really cool to be able to to be you know a voice that people can can follow um and, you know, with that comes responsibility as well. And it's really easy to blow it. I think you, like a lot of people can can make mistakes on there and it doesn't bode well for that. But it's uh, it's a really powerful tool. And I feel like it's, you know, really fortunate to be able to have access to that kind of an audience and be able to to use it for, you know, what I see fit.
0: Use it for the power of good, man. A lot of use it for the yeah. power of people. We don't, we don't need any more of those people on planet Earth. But I think it's really cool. Yeah. Again, you you ski, people pay you money. To ski, and then they also pay you money because you put really cool pictures on the internet, which is probably something you just love doing anyway, right? The mountain landscape—I'll be honest—that's my favorite part. I love those types of pictures. So seeing all that stuff that you guys are able to create and do—and I mean, dude, that sounds like you hit the jackpot, Nick. I'm not going to lie to you, man. It sounds yeah. like you're doing—you really hit the jackpot.
1: Yeah, it's a fun job. There's, uh you know, there's hazards and stuff out there, and it's, of course you're, you're putting your body yeah. on the line here and there. But, but I would be doing. A lot of that stuff regardless you're right you know it's it's kind of something that did kind of evolve very naturally for me and it wasn't it wasn't like um you know like doing this stuff just because of instagram or just because you know i can make some money doing it it's because it's what i love to do so for that reason i do feel super fortunate it's definitely you know something i, I think about all the time when did
0: you or when the first time you heard the word influencer like when did you connect that with yourself at all? Cause I'll be honest. I hate that word. No offense to you or anybody that does it. I think I'm just a little jealous. Right. But like, did you, when did it, like, when did you realize like, Oh, brands are starting to reach out and they're in my DMS asking me to just post what, what, like how, when did you, I guess, put two and two together and realize that you were an influencer.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny because like there's, there's the real like endemic ski contracts that are, Mm -hmm. you know like hard goods equipment or soft goods like you know atomic and the north face and like these brands that are providing me equipment that i need to use to go skiing but there is a lot of other like countless other brands small brands a lot of startups and stuff do reach out um just because of that following and i guess it was probably like 2015 or 2016 that i ended up having like kind of that that number i guess it's like 10,000 followers that you need to be able to have these kind of abilities on instagram to be an influencer right like you can have mm-hmm. this like swipe up link and all it's that like kind that. of stuff which i actually i didn't even know about until like two i don't know two years ago i have some friends who were like pretty upset with me that i was not using it and i didn't even really know about oh, yeah. it. that's awesome yeah. but um yeah there's there's been brands in the past i've worked with that that were you know outside of what i would say is like endemic skiing um brands and they they basically had a contract written up that was exclusively like Instagram based and they didn't, you know, maybe even care how much, you know, ski endemic media coverage I had, right? Like they didn't really they weren't too fast mm-hmm. if I was in the ski film or in the magazines, or like if you appear on the cover of some magazine or something like that was kind of not really what they were looking at. They were looking at the Instagram and, and the performance of the Instagram. So that was yeah, like twenty fifteen or something, maybe twenty sixteen, I realized that this is like you know i could i guess be classified as an influencer but in a weird way it's like it's it's not like it's a very broad term right it describes mm-hmm. yeah. anyone who has enough of a following to to be called an influencer so it's it's kind of a funny thing
0: it is a, is an interesting term i mean anybody's an influencer right if i tell my buddy to go hey man i got this product you should go check it out like Technically speaking, I guess you could call me an influencer. Again, I think I'm just jealous. But I think it really more just comes down to, you know, your ability to monetize that audience in in an authentic way. We've been talking about kind of for the last 20 minutes now, like you seem like a very authentic guy. And one of the uh, brands that you do work with, PlantX, uh, talk to me about them because they do some really interesting stuff. I know it's all plant-based food and products, right? So I guess tell me a little bit about your journey in the plant-based side of the world before i guess we get into plant x and
1: why they're you know they've been the brand for you yeah um you know it happened like pretty same thing it happened kind of slowly organically I, it wasn't really something that i made a conscious decision to to do and i would say 10 or so years ago i just started eating a little bit less meat and a little bit um more of like a plant-based diet just slowly but it wasn't it wasn't ever like a, a decision that i made right it was more just like meatless mondays like- That's a fun one. Yeah. Everybody can do that. totally. Totally. And being, you know, being, being someone who spends a lot of time in the mountains, especially in the winter, especially in a sport that relies on a healthy snowpack to be able to do it at all. Um, and you know, being relatively young, it's crazy what I've seen just in my lifetime and just in my experience in the mountains. And it's, it's so blatantly obvious and you see it. I think in the glaciated terrain more than you might see it almost anywhere else in the world you know aside from maybe places that are like on fire or having these like wild hurricanes or so having like this kind of first hand look at climate change and being like directly affected as far as like you know trivial compared to some people who live in like low lying areas and have these storms hitting them but you know having way less reliable snow conditions way way more crazy temperature fluctuations and like way higher winds all the time and crazy heat waves in the middle of winter and stuff like just seeing that happen it's pretty clear that like anything that you can do as an individual to try and limit your impact is you know it's beneficial like why not right and uh, another another good reason to do it is that you just honestly will feel better if you eat less animal products like it's it's true it's it's a really easy thing to feel if you do it for a little while you know if you if you just have one meal a week maybe that's vegetarian or vegan you might not feel it as much but as soon as you start doing it pretty regularly it's like when you eat animal products after not eating them for a little while it bogs you down and makes mm-hmm. you feel like lethargic and you feel like almost a little swollen like it feels like your body just slows down um so there's a couple of reasons that I started doing it. And it was, yeah, never really a conscious decision to like cold Turkey, stop doing it. It was more like, okay, I'm going to stop buying, you know, meat products. Like I'm not going to show up in the meat department at the grocery store. Like that was a pretty easy first step. And like, if, if I was eating out or I was at a friend's house for dinner, or I was being served meat or something. I wouldn't turn it down. Um, going out for dinner. Maybe I would get, something that had meaning. And it It was kind of like a treat that way. Right. It wasn't Mm -hmm. something that was like a staple of my every single meal. And you know, it evolved from there to the point where, yeah, now I eat like a mostly plant-based diet and it's not really something that you have to put a lot of pressure on yourself to do. It's, it's something you'll feel the effects of naturally. And the more you do it, the more you feel like it benefits you. And at the same time, it's going to benefit, you know, the planet. So. I think both of those are pretty great reasons, right?
0: Um, yeah. Shout out uh, to to you being a good person. Again, I think that's pretty important <laughs> understanding. Hey, man, if I could do literally anything to help this beautiful planet of ours, let's just do one thing. It can't possibly be that hard. So I think that's absolutely fantastic. And then, as you said, it's it's made you feel better. Now, I'm kind of curious, like after after you really kind of realized, like, OK, like I'm not turns out I really don't eat meat anymore. Like what at what point did you as you said, you, your body felt better? but you kind of only gave me the negatives of when you eat meat. What are some of the positives that you felt because you stopped eating meat, right? Like, as you said, you eat meat, like anytime you eat it, you feel bogged down you feel this like, well, what have you noticed since you've essentially stopped eating meat and have gone to this type of diet? Like what, what are some of the positives that come with that? Cause I'm all about positivity, Nick.
1: I think, yeah, I think like, I mean the first like really obvious one is that you're just going to have more energy, like just generally throughout your day. Like, You're not going to be as tired later on in the day. It would be otherwise. You're just going to have a little bit more of like, it's a higher octane fuel, right? Like you're going to have more energy. Um, So you feel that right out of the gate and recovery time. Like if you have a big day and you've been fueled by plant-based products that whole time and your recovery food is plant-based and all of that, like your recovery time is just going to triple quadruple. Like you're coming back like nothing. Um, So those are like the really obvious ones that you'll see right away. Um, but I mean, there's all kinds of scientific studies and stuff about the long-term health effects. And that stuff's a little bit yeah. harder to pinpoint, like as a feeling inside of you, it'll, it'll be like, you know, when you're 50, 60, like you're going to be healthier than some of your friends maybe who didn't make those decisions. But, um, right out of the gate, you're going to be like higher energy and your recovery time from like high output activity. Um, just going to be way quicker.
0: That's really interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't do enough activity, I don't think, um, to to get there. But it sounds like something that I should at least try. So I appreciate that. Well, maybe I you
1: want. Maybe I want to do more activity. Maybe you've got more energy. Right? Let's look at uh, that. That's hey man, cool. I I eat my salad
0: every day for lunch. I have a salad every single day for lunch. Um, sometimes I would say like two. I'd say like two nights a week. I do not eat meat. Right, like some okay. pasta, or maybe like substituting chickpeas, like a chickpea taco. It turns out it's absolutely delicious. So sometimes we yeah, eat those as yeah. well uh, to kind of just spice things up a little bit. No pun intended there. But I guess so. Then yeah. with that, Plant X, this brand comes along. Is this something? And I kind of again, I'm kind of curious with the origin. Is this a brand that you were using and you found, and then you reached out? You're like, hey guys, I don't know if you heard about me. I'm pretty big deal. Or was it kind of the other way around? Like how do how did this particular deal come about?
1: So, yeah, it's funny, like I live in Squamish, BC, um, which it's actually like one of their slogans for the longest time has been like outdoor recreation capital of Canada. It's so it's it's a really good place to be for someone like me, you know, like Whistler, the ski resort in Whistler is 45 minutes away. You've got a gondola in town that can take you to the Alpine. It's kind of like the best place to go rock climbing in Mm. Canada, arguably, and maybe even one of the best in North America. Um, Mountain biking, it's like world class kite surfing everything right so um there's a pretty big demographic of young athletic people who are trying to take care of themselves and stuff and plant x just opened their first store in squamish so it's um it's been really exciting because we don't really have like we have kind of a chain grocery stores here but it's it's difficult to find some of those niche products like everyone carries like you know the eaves like meat alternative stuff that you might see everywhere. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a few brands that are like kind of commonplace in these big, big chain stores, but a lot of that kind of niche stuff that's harder to find and honestly a lot better tasting, a lot better for you, better ingredients, all that. Um, PlantX carries that stuff. And so it was just a matter of meeting Sean, the founder who was in town for, for a drink. And, and we got to talking and it just seemed like a, a pretty perfect alignment, you know, and there's another, another athlete in town, my friend Remy Metallier is a mountain biker. Um, incredible mountain biker and he he's done the same he's aligned with them as well and so having like a couple of local athletes to squamish who can try and promote the store and and grow awareness around around the store and just as a whole right the online experience if you don't have access to the store um firsthand to to go in person um and yeah it's it's it just makes total sense us both being here in this outdoor recreation place and and having like a winter and a summer athlete kind of helping promote the brand
0: that does help, especially in yeah. Canada. Winter I hear is pretty long up there. So shout out, shout out to yeah. you guys for enduring that for us. But I think it's I think it's really awesome, man. Again, it's something that that aligns with you as you've, you know, we've been talking about you're extremely authentic. Obviously, you like the products because as you've been talking about this whole time, you're not going to use the products unless you actually like them. I guess what is it about? I mean, as you said, there's the online opportunity. So if anyone's interested, they can hop online and buy some stuff. I guess what is it about the products that make it so much more. I, not more better what makes them so much better what is it about plan x what are they doing i'm sure you have intimate knowledge of the brand at this point what are they doing that you just really do believe in the vision and the mission of the company
1: well there's a few things like i mean the biggest one the easiest one for a lot of people is that like they don't first of all they don't sell anything that has animal products in it at, at all so if you're going to shop there on the weather, on the website or in the store, you don't have to kind of do this cryptic ingredient navigation because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is like, like broken down to a chemical level in the ingredients list. And it, you know, it might be from an animal you don't really know because you, you're not super yeah. aware of like what that might, you know. So if you shop there, you just know everything's been vetted, first of all. So that's it makes it really simple. You go to the store, you're getting plant-based products, period. <laughs> um, it takes a big amount of the guesswork out of it right which is a huge barrier for some people to try and navigate that space and and a lot of wild things have animal products in it that you might not really consider so so that's that's a big one and another one is that it's just like the the quality of the products that they carry and and the quality of the ingredients that a lot of those products is a lot higher than you might find in some of these bigger like I mentioned that Eves brand but that some of these brands that have been around for a long time that might be kind of a staple at like a box grocery store um, they, they carry a lot of smaller brands a lot of a little bit more niche products that are a lot more difficult to find um, and they're all in one place and a lot of the ingredient lists are just a little easier to read because they're just they're full of better stuff right like mm-hmm. less chemicals less preservatives less sugar less whatever so it's it's a healthier place to shop and also with a plethora of options that you can't find anywhere else. And so it just makes it so simple to, to step in there and know what you're getting, right. You don't have to be a scientist or you don't have to be a nutritionist to, to be able to figure it out. Um, I love it. It it makes it really simple for people. Right. And it's not, it's not something where I don't want to push everyone being a vegan and and being Mm -hmm. kind of like high and mighty, like, you know, like I yes. eat this way, you should too. We all know those like, people, yeah. We yeah, <laughs> but it, it's like the way that I got into it, right? Was just like kind of organically, like slowly shifted my diet over like a decade. And you know, some things are easier to eliminate than others. Um, but if you can, you know, commit one meal a week, or like you know, one day a week, or you know, maybe like lunches you don't have meat or whatever it is. Um, that's like start wherever you're comfortable and. And this store is going to make it a lot easier to know that, you know what, you wanna have tacos for dinner. Well, there's like a bunch of options to put stuff in your tacos that don't have meat in it. And I love that. It yeah. Just makes it so really simple.
0: I think it's fantastic. Again, I I think it's, it's a positive for most people, right? I think we in here in America, at least eat a little too much meat, just a little bit. Um, so maybe just cutting a couple, couple meals out of your diet, as you said, maybe you'll feel a little bit better before because of it. I do think it's fantastic. So make sure to go check out plant X, obviously Nick McNutt approved. And I mean, North face is on that list too. So clearly you guys are doing some pretty cool stuff. So, um, before I let you go, Nick, uh, just one last topic of conversation. Um, pretty easy turns out if you google search your name one of the first things that pops up is nick <laughs> McNutt avalanche uh yeah. watch the video pretty freaking wild saw the instagram post uh i mean dude you survived an avalanche <laughs> well, yeah, i don't yeah. even know what's the question there like, I, I don't know do you want to tell us the story how crazy was it i mean was it cool at some point were you like all right this is, is kind of <laughs> sweet i survived cool. an avalanche <laughs> not a, even after the cool,
1: fact after the fact man. You survived an avalanche. I did. It's um yeah, and it's it's kind of a long story. Like there's, it's been pretty well documented at this point. But it's um not not what you would consider like a typical textbook avalanche is what occurred. Like it wasn't a weak layer in the snowpack where the snowpack failed and slid down. This was like I was skiing what we call pillows, which is basically like a like kind of a boulder field um, that has all these like kind of isolated snow mushrooms all down it so it's almost like a staircase of Mm -hmm. like you're hitting like cliffs repeatedly over and over and over and one of them that was out of my sight was kind of just barely clinging on for dear life I guess like it was ready to go type of thing and so a little bit of snow hit it and knocked it off and it was the size of maybe a car or whatever a small truck and it was rolling down the hill like out of my sight and I skied down further. There's a video of it, but I skied down further and I, I ended up right in front of the path of it. And from my point of view, it looked like just a little powder cloud, which is typical and I was expecting, but underneath the little powder cloud was like big blocks of ice. Um, and so it ended up raking me through some trees and I, I shattered my arm. I had some internal trauma and stuff, but I was uh, stuffed down into the snow and then you know the, the debris filled over me. And um, one of the main reasons why I went pretty viral and people are talking about it is because I was wearing this avalanche transceiver, which is like, for those who don't know, it's basically like your, our, our device that allows you to find someone if they're buried in the snow, right? It's a, it's a very accurate transmitter locator. So it's, it's something that you can like, imagine find my friends on your iPhone, except for like down to like centimeters, right? Like you're talking about like a very, very small area so that you can excavate someone if they're buried And mine, uh, essentially malfunctioned. It turned off. Um, And I was super lucky to have all these people that I was with there that day because they're all highly trained and there's a bunch of them really all watching me. And it wasn't like your textbook avalanche either. Like it wasn't a huge slide path. I could have been anywhere. It was pretty obvious roughly where I was. So long story short, they were able to get me out regardless of not having a transceiver signal, just with their probes, like these log sticks and dug me out. I was quite deep even, but they got me out of there in like six minutes and, um yeah the aftermath of that has been like a big conversation in the ski industry about this specific model of transceiver and it turns out this one has malfunctioned in the past and I'm not going to go into it too much brands and models and stuff but you should definitely look into it uh if you're concerned if you use an avalanche transceiver ever you should watch the video and and do a little bit of research and make sure your model isn't this model because it's a big issue right now in the ski industry and it's being dealt with uh, about as poorly as a large brand could deal with it, basically. Hmm. So.
0: Well, yeah, that's not great. Um, <laughs> shout out again to you for surviving an avalanche. Yeah. I understand it's not, like, cool, but, dude, that's, like, so freaking cool. You survived an avalanche. That's gotta I feel, be.
1: I feel very, 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 fortunate to be alive. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You and, should feel that. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And with with the barrier of, not, like, not have you know, being buried with an avalanche transceiver signal, even then, getting dug out and surviving would be remarkable. But the fact that I was basically buried without a trace and was able to be rescued by my really overly competent friends was uh, yes. pretty miraculous.
0: That's yeah. cool, too. You have like the best group of friends in the world. Like they literally yeah. saved your life. That's awesome, too. <laughs> yeah. So, again, a lot of positives. I try and give everything to a positive. Hopefully, one of the good brands reached out to you. I don't know. They I, did, I'm yeah. Not your agent.
1: Okay, cool, I've, cool, cool. cool Align with, uh, yeah, with a brand who makes like the, the gold standard of avalanche transceivers and, and avalanche equipment. So very proud to That's be representing that we like as well.
0: Yeah. That's how business works, baby. That's how business yeah. works, Nick. <laughs> this has been absolutely fantastic. I tease it like eight or nine times. I follow you on Instagram. What is your Instagram handle so everybody can see all these awesome pictures and videos?
1: It's just uh, my name, Nick McNutt, uh, N-I-C-K-M-C-N-U-T-T. No, That's how easy. No cool name, there by there. the way. Yeah,
0: cool yeah thanks.
1: The very only awesome, choice dude. I had, actually. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> actually that's not true weird enough i had a conversation with a gentleman last week or two weeks ago that actually changed his last name to a cooler version Uh, of his name but still whatever it is what it is nick this has been absolutely fantastic shout out plant x for allowing that you to come on not allowing but having you come on talk a little bit about what you do why you do it why you love them and why you just like have the coolest job in the world man take some awesome pictures ski on some mountains sincerely dude again you hit the jackpot it's really all i can say
1: well, I agree. I, f- I feel super blessed to be where I'm at. So, and yeah, thanks again for having me on and uh, really, really great time with you. And uh, Pleasure hope you again yeah. is all mine,
0: brother. Enjoy. Yeah, now it's fall. Hopefully uh, you can get some last uh, last few runs on the mountain bike in and then here comes Stan. Yeah. It won't be long. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> wait, man. Thanks so much. Yeah,
1: take care.